0: Hello Marvelites! And hello Sirius XM! I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M.
1: I'm Lorraine Sink.
2: And this is Jason Moro aka JMI.
0: Yes, and you are listening to this week in Marvel episode number 473. For those of you tuning in for the first time, hi, hello. Yay! Yay! Good to have you guys. Yeah! So, on the show, we talk about kind of everything that's happening this week in Marvel. See, it's a very clever title. Whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, what have you. So, um, it's going to be a real fun ride. If you like Marvel, I think you're going to love this show. Uh, and if you don't know the three of us, we'll tell you a little bit about us. Uh, you may know me, Agent M, from your Lego Marvel superhero games, where you may have broken my desk, or heard me at a convention in the third one, or seen my taco truck in the second one, um, or seen me on a bunch of videos and, and fun stuff for Marvel over the last decade plus.
1: Yeah, um, I'm Lorraine Sink, and uh, you've probably seen me, if you've seen me, hosting the red carpet premieres for Marvel Studios Films. I'm an author of books like Marvel Powers of a Girl, as well as a couple of other Marvel books. And I'm all over Marvel.com with Ryan, uh, just getting into hijinks, breaking stuff, and screaming at the top of my lungs. James?
2: Hi, my name is James Merrill You may know me from Broadway and television. I am the original Tony Award winning Genie from Disney's Aladdin, as well as Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson from Hamilton. But you also may know my voice from Tangle the Animated series it's Lance Strongbow and Terrace Boba from DuckTales, a.k.a. Let's Get Dangerous on the Darkwing episode. I'm all around.
1: You know what? It makes me sad that James has just, like, never done anything. No.
0: Uh, also, James has written Marvel comic stories as well. That is true. We well. yeah. so are a well-rounded crew. Uh, yes, we are. And uh, most importantly, we love Marvel. We're, yes. we're excited to talk about Marvel, and we're excited to share Marvel with everybody! And so for many, many, many of our longtime listeners, you may have noticed at the top I said SiriusXM because, yes, we are now on SiriusXM as well as all the podcast places. This Week in Marvel will now be available to SiriusXM subscribers with streaming access every Thursday, the day before it's available anywhere else. For more info and announcements, stay tuned coming down the road because there's some really cool stuff between Marvel and SiriusXM on the horizon.
1: Yeah, and because it's a big day for us, we got a big ol' episode. Let's get into some news. Um, I just want to talk about Disney Plus because there's a bunch of really cool stuff that is coming up for Disney Plus. We just got the release date for Marvel Studios One Division, which is now January fifteenth. Uh, you can get a look at the show and see trailers over on Marvel.com, but it looks. So good. I'm trying very hard to get some advanced screenings of it because I can't wait for you all to see it. I need to see it first.
0: Yeah, we should be able to see it. We now. should be able to. That's true. We should be able to yeah. see it first.
1: That's right. I'll call me Disney+. Plus. I'm waiting.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the brand new documentary series on Disney+, Plus, Marvel's 616. This is an anthology series covering different stories within the Marvel Universe. I am super excited for everybody to not just watch this show and see all the cool stuff and really get deeper into Marvel, but to learn about two of my favorite things in Marvel, one of them being Brute Force, which I legitimately love. There's an episode directed by Paul Scheer about Brute Force, which is a wild comic book series from the 90s that I've read a bunch of times over the years. It's nuts. Every time being like... (laughs) We did this.
1: It, wow. It's it's a bunch of animals in mech suits that fight people who are messing up the environment, essentially. Which is,
0: what? Yeah. It's Why the have best. I missed this one? <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: It James, is, you have. It is a deep cut.
0: It is a very deep cut. And you have Marvel Unlimited, so you can read it right now definitely that going the original to that. series is on Marvel Unlimited. And then, most importantly, the world will be exposed to Japanese Spider Man and see <gasps> yes, it in all its I am glory. I'm so excited.
1: I'm on a show called Earth's Mightiest Show over on Marvel.com, and we occasionally do clip shows of some of our our favorite old shows, and we got to do some clip shows of Japanese Spider-Man, and holy moly, it is, they're so fun. You could just, like, honestly watch B-roll of this thing because it's, you know, all these big monsters, like, kaiju style, it's robots, and... My favorite thing of all is just Spider-Man hanging out, and he's like, I need my suit on. He presses his like little watch-looking thing, and then a suit, a Spider-Man suit, flies at his face and appears on his body, and then, <laughs> and then it zips. That's <laughs> just so funny. I love it.
2: I think it was so funny that most, uh, at least a lot of my friends and I, we didn't realize that Spider-Man had a Japanese show. And once we did, we were like... Oh my God! We have our whole life has not been complete now that I know. You know know, why didn't we see this?
0: Yeah, it's it's great. There's amazing history, so I hope everybody checks those out. And there's even more. Lorraine, you're on one of the episodes.
1: Yeah, I'm on on the episode talking about fandom and cosplay, and I really love these because they're sort of like a smattering of different emotional feels. So there are some that are like really sincere, and there are some that are really silly, and there are some that are really action packed and awesome. And it's just a really wide berth of cool topics so get into it I am very excited
2: about Marvel 616
1: oh did you guys get to see there is a new music video for Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales with Jaden which premiered this week it's so good I love it because it's sort of like intercut Uh, Jaden Smith is singing but also it's got like all of these scenes from the video game which is so much like a movie the song is like I'm ready and it's like very emotionally like, I, you know, I'm stepping up and I'm becoming a hero and I got to prove myself as Spider-Man. It's so good. I was like so hyped. It kind of reminds me of like Under the Stars from the Black Panther film, like mm, that kind of feeling yeah. of like importance and and like i have to i have to step up for my community oh it's just so good
2: the song the song is and it just gets you it gets you in the mood like you can use this song even away from the game you're like i need need to get ready for the day let me put this bad bad boy on (laughs) but in the in the in the um confines of the game it just really really just heightens everything i can't you guys gotta hear it it's gonna be great
0: I do Peloton, and so, like, really good music can totally drive you when you're exercising. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of Beyonce rides right now that are, y'all, oh, man.
1: (laughs) Something that, side note, really amuses me about Ryan as a dad, since he became a girl dad, you know, we used to share an office, and so he'd be, like, listening to hardcore music all the time, and now that he has a daughter who loves pop music because she is a baby girl... He's just like, listen to Beyoncé on the Peloton. It's it's a real evolution of Ryan's character that I didn't see coming, but I live for.
2: But I am looking forward to the day that his <laughs> that we turn around and his daughter is listening to all the hardcore stuff that Ryan used to listen to. Oh, yeah. And right. like you look around and you're like, who's in the room? Ryan and it's just her just headbanging. It. <laughs> I
0: can't wait. <laughs> oh, we're going to go through a lot it's of 1980s New York hardcore together. It's that is be so great. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, what else we got this week? There's another big launch for video stuff this week. Uh, James, can you tell us about Marvel Storyboards season two? Marvel Storyboards is a nonfiction series featuring
2: Joe Casada, our executive vice president creative director of Marvel Entertainment, as he explores the origin stories and inspirations of storytellers of all mediums, backgrounds, and experiences at their favorite spots throughout New York City and beyond. It's something really cool when you can go to where the creators create and talk to them about their creations, how they created it, what they were thinking, what was in their mind. It's just it's a deep dive for Marvel fans. And also for any of you creatives and writers and wonder what's it like to be a creative person and come up with these concepts and come up with these characters. This is a great way for you to see that, look, these people do it just the way we do. They're at coffee shops. They're at, you know, just chilling at home. They they come up with some really, really cool things. This is a great series. You got to check it out.
0: Yeah, you can watch it on Marvel.com. You can go to YouTube.com slash Marvel. You'll find it there. And then over um, the next bunch of weeks, we're going to have more episodes for Marvel Storyboard Season 2 featuring Sashir Zamida, Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas, and a whole bunch more. And then there's also the first season, which has, like, Hugh Jackman and uh, yeah. a, a whole bunch of other folks. So it's pretty cool. One thing we wanted to plug here on the show this week is The Undertaker. Oh. Which is pretty cool because yes. James and I got to chat with the Undertaker, which was like, "What? We're gonna we're gonna talk to the Undertaker?"
2: Folks who've listened to the show before understand this, and those who are brand new from SiriusXM, you need to realize that I and Ryan, we are big not just Marvel nerds, we were also big professional wrestling nerds. And to be able to interview the legendary Undertaker, 30 years of amazing storylines and performances in the ring, it was, it was yeah, if you'd have told us when we were little kids we were gonna do this, we would have told you, you're absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for him to name drop like Daredevil and talk Thank about you. Come Deadpool on. during the interview, I was like, oh, oh even cooler. Uh, like so that you know. episode's gonna be coming up in a couple weeks, Uh, so stay tuned for This Week in Marvel with The Undertaker, but we want to make sure y'all know you can see The Undertaker this Sunday at WWE Survivor Series on the WWE Network, where he says his final farewell. Undertaker, certainly a legend, but Lorraine, we also have some Marvel legends to talk about.
1: Yay! Yeah. If you guys don't know, Marvel Legends are uh, these awesome Hasbro figures. They're really highly detailed. They're super fun to collect. They have a lot of deep cuts and all kinds of things from across the Marvel Universe. And they announced a bunch of new ones that are sick. Uh, so first up, we have a Marvel Legends series. It's a six inch scale Thanos figure uh he's got a gauntlet uh, some different gauntlets but the thing that really tickles me about it is he you can swap out his gauntlet so he slowly snaps it's so messed up
3: but <laughs> oh, I love it so good. <laughs> so good so good, so good.
1: Also, we have the Marvel Legends series Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse six-inch figure. So that's Miles Morales. It also comes with the Build-A-Fig piece. So basically, you get a smaller piece that if you buy multiple figures from a certain line, then you can build one larger piece. Uh, It looks like this might be Ghost. Is that true? No,
0: it's Stilt-Man. So, all right. So, all right, get this. All right, hold on. I'm sorry,
1: sorry. Stilt-Man. I love Stilt-Man, but that's great. Wait a
0: minute. Think about this. So, this line you have the Miles figure, you have a Gwen Stacy with Spider Ham figure, two pack. Uh, there's the uh Peter B. Parker, so those are from uh Spider Man to the Spider Verse. You've got the Prowler from that. Then they also threw in a Frogman
1: figure, which is epic,
0: which is incredible. Whoa, and
1: if you're not familiar with Frogman, he is his name delivers. He's just a man (laughs) who looks like a big frog.
0: Yes, there have been two of them, I think. Two of them in Marvel Comics history. One was good, one was bad. But then they also have a hand ninja figure, which is really, really cool. I believe that this figure also includes leg pieces for- Yeah,
1: they're the stilts.
0: The stilts. But I imagine you want to get a bunch of hand ninjas to build up your crew of ninjas. You can make your stilt man figure- even taller. It's the greatest thing in the
1: world. You could have a giant stilt man. That's brilliant. Yeah. Doing it. It's so cool. Listeners,
2: listeners, listeners of This Week in Marvel, anyone who gets... At least like six or 12 of the six inch The Hand Ninja figures. Please put the stilt man together and send a picture to us
0: at our Twitter, at our Facebook. Please let us know. Uh, hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to Podcast at marvel.com. Yeah, these are going to, they're a pre order now, so it's going to be a little while till they come out. But I mean, I know. Man, I, I need
2: I've, to see a picture
0: of this. <laughs> it's gonna yeah, be great. I'm gonna be all over this. Uh, they also showed off some X Men uh, Legends House of X and Powers of Ten figures, which look great. They teased uh, this a new line of uh, Marvel Legends. Bring on the bad guys! We're showing off a bunch of AIM uh, agents in their beekeeper suits, and most importantly, the most important oh, action no. figure news oh, or boy. tease, at least, of this decade. Okay. is that they teased a brand. New Modok. I knew All it. they showed, I knew, I knew it. was an Here image it of AIM figure, AIM characters, and then from behind you see beautiful, sweet Modok with his hair just a little bit above the chair. If you don't know Modok, he is the uh, mental organism designed only for killing. He is a Jack Kirby creation. He is beautiful, magnificent. Magical, sweet, you just want to hug him, and uh, he's the best.
1: He, he's also just a giant head with tiny little arms that, like, <laughs> floats. So get that in your brain and never let it go.
2: We need to do a—you know, we interview some wonderful people on this show, but Lorraine, you and I need to just interview Ryan just about his obsession <laughs> and love of Modoc. I think that is something that—we that need to do a deep dive with him just to go, so, Ryan, Modoc, Go.
1: <laughs> is, is it an interview or is it therapy you tell me <laughs> Ryan is literally spooning like a life size figure of Modoc. MODOK M-Doc. it's I it's,
2: wish uh, it was
0: life size he's
2: it's,
1: he's it's, about the, it's he's about the size baby. of a
2: newborn baby
1: yeah which is baby M-Doc. significant Wowzers. Alright, let's move on to comics because there were a bunch of announcements for February comics and we have some really cool stuff coming up.
0: Yeah, there's um, some really great stuff. The first one that we want to talk about is Marvel's Voices Legacy number one coming this February for Black History Month. We actually have a great article on Marvel.com right now about this. We're going to have a bunch of stories in this comic by new and established creators. If you love Venom, Nettie Okorafor, uh, who wrote some really great Shuri comics, uh, she's going to be doing a really cool Venom story. Uh, Danny Lore, who worked on 2020 Ironheart, is going to be doing a Blade story, which, uh, James, I know you're a huge Blade Uh, fan. A
2: huge Blade fan. I mean, I love that guy.
0: So it's really cool. We've got a bunch more. You can see all the details about this on Marvel.com.
1: And shout out to Angelique Rocher, who's been really instrumental in Marvel's Voices. She also does the Marvel's Voices podcast, which you can listen to on marvel.com. But uh, she's she's been working with the editorial team to make Marvel's voices happen in in publishing, and it's been epic and great. So kudos to you, my friend.
2: I got to be a part of it um, on the, on the first one, and I mean I'm, I should say a Marvel Voices comic book, and it was fantastic. And each one is good. Each one is so just rich with new stories, with uh, new writers, and also established writers. It's something to really get into. Check it out, y'all. You guys will really really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and if you want to check out some of those now, there is currently two different anthology issues of the the first Marvel's voices as well as indigenous voices. So yes. look out for those. Yeah.
0: Also in February is Black Panther number 23, and this is the uh, return of Black Panther comics written by Tanahasi Coates. Yay! And this is actually the start of, like, Tanahasi like finishing up his incredible run on uh, Black Panther. Amazing art in this by Daniel Cunha and Ryan Bodenheim. Basically, think about the uh, Black Panther and Wakanda. If they had gone into space, they had become so successful because it's freaking Wakanda. They had actually ended up turning into an intergalactic empire in space and kind of turned heel. And so it's it's all about T'Challa trying to bring peace, uh, right the ship, and just fight the good fight. And it's wild. It's really, really cool.
1: It's kind of like Wakanda versus Wakanda. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: nice. I like that.
1: Oh, and we also have Avengers Mech Strike, which is going to be so fun. I'm excited for people to check this out. It's a new comic coming also in February. It's written by Jen McKay uh, with art by Carlos Magno and... It's super sick. Basically, the Avengers are getting these awesome mech suits in a five-issue limited series. The Avengers are confronted with an unstoppable new menace, one that is seemingly impervious to their every strength. But the Avengers aren't so easily beaten, and when new threats arise, powerful new tools must be brought to bear. Join the Avengers as they battle this new enemy and begin a deadly game of chess with a shadowy mastermind. Basically, this is like if you love some mech suits if you love some like uh super sentai vibe yeah looking yeah. sick for that like,
0: like look you're a voltron fan you're yes. a power rangers fan you're a marvel fan this is like the the perfect smores recipe of of all those cool things <laughs> What's really exciting for me are the two creators. So Jed McKay has been writing amazing comics for us. He uh, he actually you know has been working on stuff like Black Cat, and he, mm-hmm. he did really cool. Uh, has done tons and tons of great stuff. Carlos Magno did uh, this really wonderful run on the Invader series recently. He is one of the most detailed artists in comics right yeah. now, and he works really fast. The two of them are going to come up with big wild epic stories but also it's gonna look like magic i can't freaking wait i didn't know about this creative team until this morning so i am so jazzed
1: yeah the character designs in their mech suits are so cool so it go go google the art because it's real cool there were also a bunch of awesome things that were announced coming to SiriusXM from Marvel. One of which is going to be Marvel's Declassified. Um, I personally just like I gotta talk about it because I'm on it. Um, it <laughs> it's a series that that I came up with the concept of many years ago with the help of Ryan Panagos here on the on the pods and, and Ben uh, Morse.
0: Give a shout out to Ben. Oh,
1: and Ben Morse, yeah, former
0: This Week of Marvel co-host and, and still our friend. Uh,
1: So a show we conceived of many years ago, uh, and then when we made this deal with SiriusXM, it got greenlit, which is really, really exciting, and now the entire Marvel podcast team, as well as my co-host Evan Narciss, and I have really put in so much work but essentially the idea of this podcast is that we are looking at some really interesting moments in marvel history and we are telling the declassified story of how that came to be the real juice the real dirt on how it happened uh we go into all kinds of different things from marvel's glory days to marvel's not so glory days so uh you get the real tea so i hope you guys will listen to it on sirius xm when it launches next month
0: yeah this is very exciting bring the tea girl bring the tea So in a normal episode of This Week in Marvel, after we hit all like the cool newsy bits and things that are happening this week in Marvel, we have a great interview. Sometimes we'll have guests like The Undertaker or folks that uh, are working at Marvel in various ways. Uh, But this week, since it's our first episode on Sirius XM, we wanted to give you all a little sampling of some great interviews we've done in the past that anybody can find in our previous, gosh, 470 plus episodes that we've done. Uh, Lorraine, what are some that we have for uh, folks this week?
1: So we have a bunch of guests, but we're going to kick it off with Clark Gregg, a friend of the show uh, and a friend to all things Marvel. He, of course, plays Phil Coulson in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as well as Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He might be the longest running Marvel character at this point, <laughs> just about. He, he is truly a, a staple in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, of course, is also a, a wonderful Marvel fan himself. So. Enjoy a little listen to Clark Gregg.
0: Clark, what is your Marvel origin story? Like, how did you first get connected to our Marvel characters and stories, comics? What was it for you that got you in the door?
4: Um, I remember my family moved a lot. And I remember two different times that we would just pile into a giant station wagon and go meet the movers at whatever new town we were going to. And I remember we moved to Evanston, to Chicago, to Chicago. My dad was at a seminary affiliated with Northwestern and we got some comics to read. And there was an Iron Man. There was some um, Sergeant Fury's Howling Commandos, kind of a World War II thing that I was reading. And then then three years later, we moved again, this time to North Carolina, and that's when I got Iron Fist and Warlock. And by the end of that road trip, I was a little bit obsessed and, and I would draw panels a lot when I should have been studying. My mother sent me some of my notebooks and it's all me trying to draw like Jim Starlin, who I just, I've become friends with him a little bit. I'm such a huge fan. I just, I just I can't speak when I'm around him. And it was, was, I was really into it for a while. Then I I started to get a little bit more into sci-fi, the great sci-fi writers, Asimov, Bradbury, Arthur C. Clarke. And and then years later, um, I would definitely stop into a comic book store a lot Forbidden Planet was not too far from my house here in New York. And uh, I definitely spent my time kind of ducking in there and watching the evolution of some of the characters, the form. And uh, famously, or at least to me famously, um, I knew Favreau was going to make Iron Man. And I saw, when, he, when I saw that he'd gotten Robert Downey somehow to do it, I, I thought, oh my God, that is just perfect. Yeah. And I became incredibly excited to see that movie. And then I saw that he got Jeff Bridges, another one of my favorite actors, and then Gwyneth, who I knew a little bit and was a huge fan of, and I thought, oh man, this is fantastic. Because I'd certainly, I'd, I'd really enjoyed Chris Reeves Superman and some of those yeah. uh, Batman movies, but I hadn't seen the thing I loved in Marvel. And so when I got a call saying, look, there's this very small part in this are you interested i was like yes i am (laughs) that's pretty amazing we're
0: now six plus seven years of marvel's agents of shield bizarre what are your favorite marvel memories
4: i mean i have so many from showing up and riffing the first day with Robert on Iron Man and kind of having the same duality that I had a lot of times, which was as an actor going, this is insane. This is so fun. I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. And the comic book fan going, oh my God, he's the perfect (laughs) Tony Stark. (laughs) And then really watching the world embrace that character and see the template being built of the kind of humor and pathos and Shakespearean stakes and getting to be part of it and you know, you and I have told you the stories many times about Joss coming up to me backstage and saying he wanted to introduce me as part of the cast of The Avengers. I still can't say it without kind of giggling in the surreality of that. To be front and center and to see, and to walk on set and see Chris Hemsworth, you know, Donald, I don't think you've been completely honest with me, For uh, <laughs> and and to get to do all that. And then to, even to get to go back and and do an origin story of Coulson with uh, Sam and Captain Marvel last year. That, it's, it's just absurdly the gift that keeps on giving. But then this whole other chapter where the call from Joss and Jeff Loeb saying, you might not be so dead, which I feel was completely spawned by the ardent, passionate Coulson fans who saw him as their avatar. Oh, did the Coulson lives movement. Still do it. Still. Those poor people, because he keeps getting (laughs) killed. It's really horrible. I feel so bad every time they do it. Um, But then to live this other duality, which was suddenly to be back alive, both Clark and Phil, with a new team going into very dangerous territory, both in the missions on the show, but you know, trying to bring a Marvel dark serialized story form into romantic ABC brightly lit television was not an easy fit right away. And to kind of watch our team as a cast and a crew and the writers, Jed and Mo Whedon and Jeff Bell and all the writers, find a way to make it work and find a way to make, take, make it darker and serialized and to see ABC really let us go on that journey and to find ourselves now Almost seven years into it, hundred and fifty maybe episodes. I can't even keep track. That may be completely a wrong number, but it's close. close Yeah, to have gone into a lot of chapters of the of the Marvel comics world that you know we were allowed to use. It's kind of an amazing story that way, and that Marvel Cinematic was using a lot of the stuff. There was crossovers all the time, but we were allowed to use what wasn't being used. And to see the ingenuity of the ways that suddenly we had Carl Creel and things I recognized and Hydra, but then the framework and LMDs. And hey, guess what? Ghost Rider. And then P.S. There's my flaming skull. (laughs) So I've gotten to geek out at work. Nobody's inner child has been taken to work more often than mine. to get to do that level. And then as an actor, just to go that many layers into the existential dilemmas of someone who keeps getting nearly killed or losing people and developing this family, the same way that Clark developed a family with Chloe and Elizabeth and Henry and Ian and these people that I've gotten to work with. Yeah,
0: that's an amazing journey. I wanted to share a memory I have with you because uh, I remember being on set for the first Avengers film and we were in New Mexico and there was a bunch of journalists and, you know, I'm tagging along as the Marvel guy. So everybody looks at me like, what are you doing here? And you know, I'm just having fun. You're a spy. Yeah. It, kind of. People think <laughs> of me that way. And so I, I'm having fun. We go out to dinner one night and you come and you're like, hey, guys, what are you doing? And it was just this wonderful moment. Uh, I'm sitting at one table and I'm watching you just like. Chat with all these other people who are geeking out. It's just this like mutual fun time. Just it was at that moment where I saw, oh, he, he just loves all of this. And I remember that
4: being so <laughs> powerful. It's okay. So I remember this. I remember being in Albuquerque. I remember, oh my gosh, I'm in the Avengers. This is crazy. And then being like, you can't tell anyone anything. You can't say that you're in Albuquerque. You can't confirm that you're even in the movie, even though it was announced at Comic Con. <laughs> But P.S., here's a room of journalists. Go talk to them. And I was like, this is a weird job. You know, and that's when I started to learn the tap dance of how do you talk about what you can talk about, which is so little, and still, you know, give these hardworking journalists something. And I remember finishing that going, that was a flop sweat. I'm so soaked in anxiety sweat. And then I went across the street to my new favorite place, which was this Brazilian steakhouse. Yep around the corner, and then I see all the people who just interviewed me come in and sit two tables over, and I was like, look, there's one way where I'm the snotty actor who sits over there pretending I don't see them, and there's the other way where I just, let's just embrace it. And I There's a bunch of good people. I'm still, you yeah. know, I've been dealing with a lot of these journalists for years, and I really enjoyed them. They love a lot of the same stuff I loved. And it ended up being a really fun dinner, although I realized I got back, I was like, wow, I hope I didn't say anything at dinner because I think I relaxed a little.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that there was any secret spilled, but it was just, it's so fun. It was was a great moment. And uh, I thank
4: you for that because it's it's something that's been
0: in my head all these years that, you know, we've talked and talked.
4: Well, like, you know, you and I share a fandom. Yeah, we do. And I think that's something cool that Marvel... I think really helped create. There's certainly it, it exists, whether you're into Thrones or whatever you're into. There's there's a, there's fandoms now, but I think there was a very small bunch of people. The first Comic Con in New York, I walked into that was I don't know. It was like it was like in a hotel or something across the street from Penn Station. Yeah, like the, the pen. Yeah, and it was yeah. just I went there to see if I could find some of my old Warlock comics. And it was like you know eighty people, sure. and they all knew more than me. <laughs> But the fact that there are now people sharing the stories that they loved as a kid with their kids, there are people who frankly never had comic books, but there's a way that people are connecting to stories that go over episode and episode, and then there's a big group book, and then they, that I think Marvel's really helped create, and I was very struck the same weekend uh, that Endgame opened was also a huge episode of Game of Thrones, and I thought, wow, we're just... We're digesting stories differently in a way that I feel like really the Marvel Cinematic created because you started to go see Guardians 2 and you went, I'm just going to see the next chapter because I'm reading this whole giant book. And I don't think anyone thinks the book ended with uh, Endgame. No. It's just going to be a bunch of new chapters and it'll come together a different way. But there was a very special feeling that I felt part of at Endgame because it was this story that all of us told together.
2: I love hearing from Clark Gregg. Not only is he a mainstay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's also like really a sweet guy. So the interview was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I love that whole cast. Um, we had Elizabeth Henstridge on the show recently uh, after she directed an episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in its final season. And she is just, a, as Ryan would say, a ding-dang delight. Yeah, uh, Triple D! <laughs> <laughs> just just the, the sweetest human being that you've ever met. And, you know, we've gotten to have a lot of people on from uh, the MCU and different, different areas of our on-screen presence at Marvel.
0: Yeah, we've had, you know, anyone from Tom Hiddleston to um, uh, folks who make the props and, and the behind the scenes stuff for uh, Marvel. There's a I, I was on set for the first Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and there's an episode way, way back in our archives with, like, the entire cast so if y'all want to find those go check them out.
2: I also love that moment where we switch into animation so this is a wonderful cool segue at least in my brain of Enter the Spider-Verse Roundtable interview with producers Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and voice actors Shamik Moore and Jake Johnson. I mean if you love into the Spider-Verse this is the interview to listen to because they do a deep dive and talk and discuss all the things that made the movie what it was and most of us thought it was the greatest movie ever and just had a great time and this interview <laughs> (laughs) Goes into that.
0: I very specifically remember when the movie was announced. I was here in in LA doing meetings or whatever it was, and it popped up like an alert, like a spider alert. Lord and Miller to do Spider-Man movie, and I was like. What's happening? Yeah, like what, what world am I living in? I'm a huge Clone High fan. I just Oh, go, wow, wow. 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 So like Deep cut. When I went to, I think one of my first trips to Canada, I knew they had a DVD set, a legal DVD set. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I will buy this because it's never going to be released in in America. So I've had that for years. Oh, nice. And so I, I'm a big fan, love all the stuff that you guys have done. So this was very good news. <laughs> this is my very long-winded way of of really asking like, how long has the movie been in the works? How long have you guys been putting it all together?
5: We started in 2014, probably, right? With yeah. A, with getting a phone call from Amy saying, Avi and I have a weird idea. We want to do an animated Spider-Man movie. And uh, not long after that, we said, well, could it be about Miles? And everybody was super excited about that. And then in 2015, we started trying to figure out the story. and. Uh, this is really dorky. I'm an art history major. I went to uh, a Jeff Koons retrospective at the Whitney uh-huh. <laughs> and we, it was like walking around he takes like all kinds of weird images from popular culture and renaissance paintings and there's a bust of Louis the 16th that he made. I was like he's refracting our culture and like and distorting it and like showing it back to us I was like, maybe we can make a movie that does that. (laughs) And that's when I was like, "Uh," I called Chris, I was like, I think we should really do this. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. But that was the genesis of it. And then we thought there was such a strong emotional core to Miles' backstory and his family and the fact that they were intact. They were doing the best they could to support him, a talented kid trying to figure out how to get him where he wants to go. And he's a guy who's trying to figure out how can he be his best self. And then we thought, Wouldn't it be cool to do kind of a karate kid story with him and Peter Parker, where Peter Parker comes into the movie and he's supposed to be an older and wiser mentor, but he doesn't know anything about that because it's the first time he's ever had to do it. It's like, Karate Kid, where Mr. Miyagi doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that seemed like a really funny relationship to build a movie around. And, oh, yeah. and that's kind of what started it.
0: Uh, Shmik, Jake, when and how did you get brought into the project?
6: Uh, I got brought into it when I was... I had to be about 20 when I officially booked it. Something like that. I'm 23 now. We're just a couple of 23-year-old kids. A <laughs> yeah. couple of young actors on like the 20. rise. A <laughs>
7: couple of fashion hunks. <laughs> 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 Let these old
6: squares
5: back there talk. That's it. <laughs> it. you know, 24. So. You envisioned <laughs> it, right?
6: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I mentioned it a little earlier, but I, I saw Miles Morales, and I felt like I was him based on how they drew his face and whatnot, like in the mirror, it looked exactly like me. It wasn't just like the color of our skin. So I felt like I was animated and I was, I was him on screen. I wrote in my journal while filming the movie Dope, I am Miles Morales, I am Spider-Man. Cause in that, at that time I'm practicing the secret, the law of attraction and the four agreements and I'm meditating and you know, eating healthy, working out. And my friend comes upstairs, uh, she plays my best friend in the movie Dope. She comes upstairs, she's like, yo, I just got us some journals. I'm just starting to write and draw and stuff, and I'm like, I am Miles Morales. I am Spider-Man. Long story short, the movie Dope, came out the same year we filmed it at uh, Sundance, and uh, I guess these guys saw it. And uh, I saw
5: it in the theater, but I remember being like, this guy's amazing, and he's so sweet. And when we thought about this character, I was like, I bet Shameek would do great. He yeah. did. And he did. <laughs> they, 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 oh,
6: thank you, and
0: thank the you. the dream journal came true. The yeah. journal came true, you know. So, Jake, what's your inspiring
7: story? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was eating healthy and meditating. <laughs> no, mine is, I got an email a few years back from Phil, and I think the whole email, if I'm rewriting history, tell me, but I think it just said, I'm writing an animated movie, I've got you in mind for it, but you would have to audition for it. Is that something you would do? I, you didn't, I didn't mention Peter Parker or Spider-Man and, no, you, and oh you right because it was kind of a big, it was secret. A big secret no you see, you said Chris and I are doing this blah 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 um, just want to know like I'm doing it and where your interest and honestly I was 100% in I'm a huge fan of these guys I've told it to them and said it behind their back during press but <laughs> I knew going in that if these guys were at the head it was going to be very good and it was going to be very smart and hearing the way even Phil talked about the inspiration for it That's kind of what you want as an actor, the creator-director guys, to be talking about before an inspiration, going to a museum. (laughs) Seeing art. As opposed to a lot of the movies where you don't want to hear the way those guys came up with those movies. (laughs) It felt like it was in some boardroom and you're you're crunching analytic numbers. So I was just in. And I was like, yeah, whatever it takes, I'm in. And then later I heard it was Peter Parker. And... I did get that rush of like, whoa, a 40-year-old Peter. But my whole take and my whole way into this was I never thought about the Marvel universe of it or the superhero version of it. I always just thought of Peter the way I still think about him as just a regular guy. And yes, he's got these powers, but I never thought of the final product while recording it. And while acting opposite Shamit because we got to be in the booth together, we were just doing scenes. And the scene is if this kid's annoying you and you need his help, Forget anything else you have in terms of powers because Peter can't control minds. So Mm -hmm. it was just an acting game. And for me, seeing the movie and seeing the final product, I got to experience it as a fan because I was like I had heard what they said if they're going to make a comic book come to life they're going to push the limit with animation and really what that means to me is like blah blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means you know but all the directors would say you know it today would be like man we're really pushing I would be like sounds great I don't have yeah. a visual and then yeah. when I'm recording and they would show me a little thing on the computer and it would be like a stick figure there, and that's going to be great I'm like I don't have the vision gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> and so seeing the final product I got to be like oh wow the whole world comes together. And it was great. Yeah. It's cool because you think of an animated
0: movie and and the work that has to go into that and like, okay, you're locked into way this looks, but if you guys are able to riff and then you're turning it around and you're changing it, it seems so fun. And I was thinking about the you know, when Miles is sketching and he's singing in the beginning, like that just felt I was like it's Miles. Like I had that feeling. Like It felt so real. Was that you? Was that on the page?
6: Well, they emailed my team or whatever the day before, and they're like, hey, we want you to sing this song tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I go to the, the the Sony Studios the next day, and then the uh, team's in there, and I'm like, okay. And they're like, all right, Shamik, well, you're going to sing this song now. And I'm like, all right. You know, they're like, you want the lights off or whatever? I was like, yeah, sure, you know? And then I think at one point everybody just went to the other room or maybe yeah. everybody was in there. because
5: you seemed like you were like more comfortable that way. Okay. Like you were singing in the shower or something. Boom.
6: So... It it was best executed the way uh, that it was. Is- <laughs> <laughs> well, <but> the <laughs> truth of that day was that like it, it
5: was hard to get your head around. No, it's better if you are not doing that good of a job. Right. You don't know all the words. <laughs> right. Because it's you're tough. a musician. So yeah, when you yeah. get in front of a microphone to sing yeah. a song, you're trying yeah, to sing nail it. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so, so funny. Yeah. So we're I like, no, you're yeah. too good. You're too So good we're bad. like, honestly, we're gonna. I don't know if you knew this. We're just gonna like roll. Don't tell Shamik, because he's going to work this out. And, get him and he's, getting, he he's, he's like, I just want out. to practice and learn the song. Like, this is the yep, time to record. This is, <laughs> hit the red button right
0: now. Amazing.
5: Right? Because you gave us this thing where like you were singing along with it the way you sing along with a song on the radio where you haven't learned it. You don't have the sheet yeah. music. You heard it twice before and you, and you, and you know you the... You think you know the words, but you're not okay. exactly sure. Oh, that's and, so the, right? and that's what it feels like to like, sing a song by yourself without feeling you know, self-conscious. Yeah. And then we were like, I think he's a little worried about us. Let's get out of this room and let's just like turn the lights off and like, you could just be by yourself. And uh-huh. that really came across.
0: All right, favorite lines, favorite moments from the film.
6: My, one of my favorite moments is when Miles is running upstairs, he's about to take that first leap across the, the rooftops and he runs right back downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to me, I laughed so hard the first time I saw that because I was like, you know what? They made sure they test the culture with that one. They yeah. I mean, well, I'm not about to jump across no roof. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm not about to do that just because I've seen it. Okay, I'm going to need a little bit more confidence and I'm going to make it across first. But we know Toby McGuire was a bit more confident in that jump. <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah. yeah.
7: <laughs> I like the scene when Peter first goes back to his Aunt May's house and... In this type of movie, that level of kind of heart and sadness of seeing that like humanity of all that. That was really fun and intense to try to do and it was really fun to watch. And I love that this movie has ridiculous comedy and crazy action and great moments and then moments like that too. So I think that was probably one of my favorites. I love that anime.
5: How about when uh, when Peter cries in the shower in his uh,
3: Spider-Man suit? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't even have uh, time that, that to take it off. That still makes me laugh. Uh,
5: just Because you're like, why are you wearing the suit, man? Take it off, it's man. It's so extra sad. <laughs> that, isn't that like, if you're really sad, you don't take your work clothes right. off. Exactly. You're you just sad.
7: You gotta, you gotta take a shower. <laughs> you just
5: torpedo yourself into that bed. That's so funny. <laughs> That's it. I know. I don't want to give away spoilers. That's like, there's one line that never stops making me laugh, that Aunt May says in her house. I love, we don't pick the ballroom, we just dance. Which is a noir line that he says. Mm. I like how weird Nick Cage gets, in <laughs> <movie. Yeah. laughs> and I could just like hear him and Rodney like thinking of things in their record session, <laughs> <laughs> and going like, "God, they—I they, know they were proud of this one." Yeah, I would just send Rodney nuggets of '30s lingo and in texts, and then he would come up with Rodney would come up with the craziest bits for for noir. It was really it was hilarious. It, it, one of the things I'm the most proud of in the movie is that. It gets so loud sometimes, right? It's like intense. Mm. And then right after that, it'll get so quiet and so intimate, and we would be sitting on the mixing stage talking to these like amazing guys and going like, "Why don't, how can you help me think more about these two people and what they're going through? Could we turn the music down? Could we turn the, make their voices quieter so I have to like lean forward? And, like, the fact that the movie has those kinds of dynamics and it's all over the story and it's all over the way it got lit and animated, that it's really subtle and intimate and it's really big and broad and it's right up against one another. To me, that's, like, a really fun achievement.
0: It's amazing. Man, I freaking love Into the Spider-Verse so much.
1: Oh, we have more Spider-Man, though. So our friend Preeti Shibber is an, a wonderful author and journalist. She writes middle grade books. She's written a bunch for Marvel, one of which is Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Guide, which is the cutest book. It's so funny. Preeti is hilarious and her writing is hilarious, as you would imagine. She also wrote Marvel Avengers Assembly number one, but she had the most amazing story about getting to meet the cast of Spider-Man Far From Home. So i I, we just have to listen to it because Preeti is a treasure, just truly a treasure. Hi, Preethi. Hi.
0: Lorraine, because your hair is so big right now, it doesn't look like the headphones are on your head. It looks like they're floating behind your head. It's freaking For- mad, kid.
1: Florida humidity has just fully taken over my hair. It's not really curly and it's not really straight. It's just big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the Lorraine Singh story. <laughs> uh, Preeti, thanks for being on the show. What is your Marvel origin story? How did you become a fan of Marvel?
8: Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I have an older brother and... He was a huge fan, and so I would pick up his comic issues that were lying around and also try to be very cool. And, like, I think they were X-Men trading cards, which I really, really loved. And, of course, the video game. So basically everything he did, I was like, I also want to be cool, and so I'm also going to do these things.
1: Oh, my God, I did that, too. <laughs> I got into so many weird things because I had an older brother, and I was like, this seems good. I want to follow you around all day. Yeah, he loved it.
8: He didn't like it.
1: Okay, so you had, you've had you had a really interesting career because you started working in publishing and you've become an author, which I mean, obviously are very linked, but you also have roots in journalism. What brought you into the
8: Marvel universe and what was your first Marvel official gig? Uh, first official Marvel gig was the Spider-Man Far From Home tie-in book, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal, which came out last summer alongside the movie. And... This is one of those things where I grew up writing on the internet and so I used to just like write about stuff I loved on the internet and that worked its way. I just happened to like be coming up at the same time as like internet writing was sort of becoming more and more of a real thing in which you can make money, (laughs) which was nice. And so I was doing all of this stuff kind of at the same time, like publishing and writing about stuff online and someone gave my name to an editor at Disney because they were like, oh, you need someone who can write a Spider-Man book fast? I've got your girl. And so I sent them up, like, over some of my ridiculous, like, sci-fi fangirls Spider-Man articles, of which I have had the great, you know, honor to have an editor who was like, you want to write something about Spider-Man? Yes. Do it. (laughs) So I had, like, several links that I could send over, and they were like, okay, yeah, you're hired. This is great.
0: What did you write about Spider-Man?
8: One was things that are the same size as Tom Holland. (laughs) Which is technically, you know. <laughs> so it's it's like a whole article. I saw this picture of like the entire like MCU cast before uh it may it may have been right before or right after Homecoming, I can't remember. And I don't know why this like shocked me, but like Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland are like basically the same size. And I was like, huh? What else is the same size as Tom Holland? Oh, boy. It's absurd.
0: (laughs) Uh, I just want to make it clear that that is not on Marvel.com. If anybody is looking for it, (laughs) we we did not do that.
1: But I do love your um, Spider-Man Far From Home book. It's so cute and funny. And then you got to go over and meet the cast in London. Ryan, you did that, too. Uh,
0: That's how Preethi and I met.
1: Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Set the scene. How did you guys meet?
0: So I remember we, we were, like, the first night we were in London, everybody was supposed to meet up to go to dinner, hang out, and then go see the movie. And you just had sort of, like, Americans vaguely congregating in the <laughs> Hard Rock Hotel in <laughs> London. And that like, sounds
1: very American.
0: Like, American millennial-ish people who kind of didn't <laughs> fit in right anywhere but they also like were congregating, right am i wrong
8: yes no you're right you're right it was like you saw them and you're like we're here for the same reason
0: i think that's what i did i was like are you spider-man here for us this and then we we took a, a a cab ride over and we were just chatting together there
8: yeah i think we became fast friends and then uh you had i think already seen a cut of the movie and weren't weren't giving anything away but i got to sit next to you while we watched the movie which was super fun Because you already knew some of the stuff was coming. And so I could just turn to you and be like, oh my God. Like, I think I knew you for like two hours and I was like slapping your arm. 100%.
0: Yep. My arm still hurts to this day from that. It's terrible.
1: (laughs) I love watching movies with Ryan because we usually go to screenings before the film is out. And um, he, you know, he's like OG Marvel. He's been with it forever. So he like is pretty chill. He's like, whatever, we're going to go see a new movie. And then, like, if something is really, really good, his little hands come up, but he goes, oh! Like, he, he gets, like, rage <laughs> happiness, um, which is really, really delightful. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so what was it like for you getting to talk with the cast? What were uh, some of your memorable moments? I'd never done anything like that before. Like, I've, I've interviewed people, and I've gone to cons and things like that, but I've never done like a movie press junket and it is super intense like now that I have experienced it I'm like okay I, I did it I, I tried it <laughs> great I was basically like you're, you're just kind of like shuttled from place to place like it was pretty cool actually they took us like on a tour of London on a double decker bus and stuff and they had a guy like in a spider-man costume come <laughs> with us so that was kind of fun and then we went straight from there to the interviews, which was great, because I was like, oh, awesome, it's been raining, and I've been outside all day, does anyone have a hair straightener? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so we <laughs> we go in, uh, You it's really fast, you have like five minutes, and I had kind of cleared it ahead of time to be like, oh, I also wrote this book for the movie, like, can I tell them that I wrote this book? Is that a thing I can do? And they're like, yes, of course, like, you can absolutely tell them, like, let them know you have like five minutes or whatever it is. So I went in for the first round, and it was Tom Zendaya and Jacob Bedellon. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I'm so so sorry now. So we, like, do the interview. They're very kind. I had interviewed Jacob at New York Comic Con a few years ago, and he remembered me, which was really nice of him because it was – that was also, like, four minutes or something. They did a really good job, even though they'd been doing it all day. And then after it was over, I was like, oh, also, I wrote this book, and I would love – if you would sign it and we could take a picture and that would be great. And they were like, oh my God, we've seen this book. And it was a really lovely, cool (laughs) moment. Like I got really excited. And it's because, you know, Spider-Man and Michelle Jones have like a huge shipping fandom online. So all these teenagers had found the book, which was not something I was prepared for. Like the book is for eight to 12 year olds, really. But of course, like they're like, oh, this is a new story featuring my two favorite characters who are possibly like you know, in the movie, like there are some romantic things that happened, and so they were really excited and spreading all these like interior pages and everything, and tagging <laughs> Tom Holland and Zendaya online, and so it was like this really weird thing where I was like, "Oh, oh, you, oh, you know it, oh." <laughs> like, the the one story I do tell is this: it's a good story, but it's you know horrifically embarrassing, which I've told before. But I did Jake Dylan Holland and Sam Jackson second, so they were my last thing. And I thought it went really well. I, like, did the whole interview. And I was like, oh, my God, it killed it. It was so good. And then I'm like, thank you so much. Like, this was lovely. And then I stood up and I hit my head on the boom mic. (laughs) And Jake Gyllenhaal laughed so hard he, like, bent over because he was like, oh. And I said, sorry, first junket. (laughs) As if that was any kind of excuse. Oh, my God. And I ran out of the room. I was like, (laughs) oh my
1: god. I think that's so endearing. I wish, (laughs) I honest to god, wish I would have ever thought to say something as charming as that when making a foolish mistake. (laughs)
0: Really really is a treasure. Uh, having been able to spend some time with her on that press tour for the movie and, and oh, London Town. Uh, we have one more uh, interview uh, clip that we wanted to share with everybody. Now it is an interview with Donald Mustard, who is one of the main creative forces for Fortnite, a little game many of you are probably playing or have played at one point or another. Um, and it's really cool because we have a great, gigantic Marvel-Fortnite um, creative partnership that's going on story-wise yeah. and, and creatively. And it was really fun to dig into that. So let's hear from Donald right now. Donald, welcome to This Week in Marvel. Thanks for coming on a talk. Thank you so much for having me. This is cool. The ways that you uh, and and the Fortnite team are integrating Marvel and Marvel lore and Marvel continuity into everything. And on the flip side, how that reflects back on us because you know, Marvel, we, we have the Marvel stable of characters, but there's always like certain diversions. And I think of like Conan is the most famous non-Marvel character that is part of Marvel continuity. And now we've got, not anymore. (laughs) I know now we've got like Marvel characters plucked from their in like in continuity moments, taken out of the of, of what they're doing in some cases, or with Thor, like fully folding it in, and that becomes part of the Marvel history. You know, when we write the history of the Marvel Universe, Part Five, you know, in, in twenty years, like there's the section where the characters are on the island.
9: Oh man, just you wait. We're just getting started. So so this is where <laughs> so all of us when we said like this has been years in the making. So it's been at least. Uh, almost two years since all of us were sitting down. Like I was, we were, I was in New York, at the, Like we were just like, okay, what if we did this thing? What if we do this crazy stuff? And what if it's all part of continuity? Like how do we make it really authentic? Like this is what we all care about the most. Like everything we ever do in Fortnite, our approach is how can we do it in a way that is not just authentic, but it, it feels like it's born out of true love of just doing something awesome, right? And what's awesome, is is there a way that it can genuinely be all folded together and could we work that out? And so um, Marvel fans might not all this, but we have this continuity in Fortnite. And and I I've always loved, you know, I love all the Marvel books and I you know, the films were just kind of wrapping up with all the Thanos kind of storyline and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, what would in the Marvel universe, like, what would be the thing that would kind of trigger this this moment? And I'm like, of course it'd be. Galactus, like Galactus is, is the eater of worlds, and and we had this moment in Fortnite that happened, um, actually about a year ago, where the stuff was happening on the island, and all this stuff happened with this thing in Fortnite called the zero point, where the zero point kind of reorganized all the the matter around the island and kind of created this new this new island, and then that's the point where all of us like on the Marvel side and on the Fortnite like, side that's the moment that started that attracted galactus galactus kind of felt this reorganize this reorganizing of reality and was like huh there's this energy source that's kind of the center of everything and if i can consume that i can consume not just the re- the marvel reality i can consume everything and so he just started moving towards that and that was, so we knew in the background like galactus is feeling this and is on his way So we knew that a year ago. So even though we hadn't revealed that to players, like that was in our mind, that that was the inciting event that attracted his attention. And so we've been been plotting this for a long, long time and trying to lay little seeds in. And so, you know, when Donny Kate, like with Donny's kind of comic of bringing Thor into it. So we're like, okay, we want to be Galactus. So the current Herald is, is Thor. And so how do we just like weave that all in in an authentic way? And here we are.
2: It was a great interview and also there's something just like really, really cool about hearing about all the cool things with Fortnite, especially with uh, our wonderful partnership with Marvel and Fortnite. I mean, guys, you can get deep into this game. So I really, really enjoyed that interview.
0: Uh, so every week on the show, we pose a question of the week, and we're trying to tie it into uh, our guest for next week so we can share it when we do that episode. So next week's guest is going to be David Gelb, who is the director of the Japanese Spider-Man episode of Marvel 616. He is also one of the executive producers of the show. So if you want to learn about the behind the scenes of Marvel 616 as you start watching the episode, it's going to be perfect. I would definitely say watch the Japanese Spider-Man episode before you hear next week's uh, episode with our interview, because it'll just make it even better and cooler and more uh, more fun. But our question of the week is uh, what is your favorite or the best mech suit in the Marvel Universe? Now, of course, we, we've talked about uh, Avengers Mech Strike, which those look really, really cool. Uh, yes, we have seen some really... I mean, you can look at Iron Man. He's got a ton yep. of suits, and some of the bigger ones can even constitute that. But, I mean, Look, I of course I'm gonna choose Leopardon from Japanese Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course yeah. you are. Of How can you not? <laughs> How can you not? He's a he's a he's a big transforming Sphinx robot. It's amazing. Yeah. Um you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to us at twinpodcast at marvel.com, or you could send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Let's get into some community. We had some questions and some comments. Let's see what's going on.
0: Yeah, so last week's question was just like a simple one. We asked who y'all want to see on This Week in Marvel. And then, you know, what have been your favorite moments from This Week in Marvel from the last year? It's very self-serving, and I'm all about that. Uh, The first one comes (laughs) from the Kawaii Prince at Colin J. Colin says, my favorite thing about this past year of This Week in Marvel has been, one, getting to interact with y'all. And two it has really helped with quarantine to have something to look forward to weekly and break up the monotony. Thanks for everything. Oh, oh you're we love welcome, hanging man. That's out awesome. with
8: you. Yeah.
2: Then we have Karis Pollard at a Karis Pollard. Best moment this year was probably the War of the Realms episode, as it inspired me and was so fascinating in terms of who you could interview. MCU writers about how they respect and adapt comics? Question mark.
1: Hey, you just got a little bit of Spider Man into the Spider Verse, so. Kind of got it on this episode, but uh, we'll definitely keep that in mind for the future. And if you guys aren't familiar with War of the Realms, it was a huge Thor slash Marvel Universe event, which was indeed a war of all of the nine, technically ten realms uh, in the Marvel Universe. So a real epic. And oh, my God, the Valkyries. It's real sad. The Valkyries have a bad day. Yeah. They got got. All right, moving on. Next up, Marvel Man at Spidey Boy 3 said, my favorite moments are when they revealed Spider-Man Miles Morales and an official release date for WandaVision. Uh, And please do an interview with Chris Claremont and talk about his amazing X-Men run. Uh, Also said, looking forward to playing Miles Morales and its amazing graphics. Love the soundtrack. Plus, I love how Miles swings and looks and, like, he's having the time of his life. We do have an interview with Chris Claremont somewhere. We do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From, our, from our past.
0: That was earlier this year.
1: Definitely go back and check that out.
0: I just recently interviewed Chris Claremont for uh, my other show, Marvel's Pull List, which is also now available on SiriusXM. Uh, we've got more comments in here. This one's from Tony at T. Bizzlesworth, who said, If I could listen to anyone on This Week in Marvel, I would choose me. But no one really wants to hear that. I don't know, Tony. You're a great guy. Uh, But Tony also continues. He says, instead, I'll pick a more famous Jersey boy. He says, you guys and Kevin Smith would be a blast to listen to. We did have a Kevin Smith episode from maybe like two years ago. But I would always love to talk to Kevin Smith.
2: He's great. From Bill 930505, Rose at Bill 930505. Zero five zero five. Lord underscore Rose. We need Guy Fury on this week in Marvel, yes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. Guy, yes, Ga- Guy yes.
2: Fury. Be, an interview with Guy Fury and also Ryan together. I don't think there's enough room for the mustaches. I think, but I, I, but I would enjoy that interview.
1: Another thing about Ryan, if you've never seen his human man face, is that he has a Guy Fury mustache. <laughs> he does. No, no. <laughs> and I feel
0: no. Guy Fieri has. Agent M mustache. That is very true.
1: Because Guy Fieri has like the bleached hair and Ryan has like the dark hair I feel like they are like evil clones of each other. Either that <laughs> or they will meet, their mustaches will be attracted to each other and they'll slowly it'll look like they're going to smooch but then the mustaches will connect to each other and then they'll turn into like the mega Ryan they'll turn into like a huge F- Fieri Ryan.
2: I don't know, oh Fieri Ryan
1: <laughs> that is brilliant.
0: I'm not against
1: any of <laughs> or, No 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 It's a rye fury. Oh, Oh,
2: nice, rye fury, yes.
0: And I will Uh say, Guy Fieri is awesome. He does great work. He actually helps out a Mm -hmm. lot of people. He does uh, wonderful charitable stuff. He reaches a ton of folks. He's just freaking excited about, about food and about life. I want Guy Fieri on this show, dang it
1: all right next up we have uh the tech lord at lex pendragon thank you percy of verlin for all of the episodes of this week in marvel i've listened to every single episode and triple p has done some great work good luck on your next adventures our our sweet baby child Mm -hmm. who is an adult woman percy of verlin has uh (laughs) moved on but we wish her well and we love her and we thank her for all of her contributions to the show and there's one more for her actually
2: The next up is from Steve Agnew at Viking Prince at Persia Verlin. Thank you for everything you have done to make This Week in Marvel a stellar production week after week. I wish you all the best in your next step of your
0: journey.
1: Oh, it's so nice. It's it's almost as if Persia was here to hear it. Hi, Persia. (laughs) Hi, She'll be listening she to here.
0: every episode that we release anyway, <laughs> she so will it's be. all good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. One more from the community this week. It's an email from the 55 guy, Jasper Payne, who also, Jasper and his signature, I think it's a little doggy and a narwhal as like emojis that was in the email, and I love that. Anyway, Jasper says, who do you want to be uh, a guest on future episode of This Week at Marvel? Probably Chloe Bennett or Elizabeth Hempstreich. And then he says, what have been some of his favorite moments from the past year of this week of Marvel? He says, I guess Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the video games and MCU TV shows and movies. And I know Jasper only started listening to us in the last you know year or so. So welcome aboard, Jasper. As we mentioned, we had Elizabeth Henstridge on not too long ago. Um, Chloe Bennett would be cool to, once there's like an anniversary for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. That would be cool to bring her back on and, and chat about it. Um, and yeah, more video games. More MCU, TV shows, movies, uh, all of that stuff I foresee in our future. Speaking of things that we do, we did this episode. It's a wrap. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panarkos.
1: Our audio development manager is Brad Barton.
0: Jill Duboff is our director of audio.
1: And special thanks to that video of Chris Evans cuddling a puppy in his Knives Out sweater. (laughs) It was a hard week, and I think we just all really just deserved that kind of content. So thank you, Chris Evans and that really cute dog. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine.
2: And I'm James. And this is Marvel. Your universe.